don't know about you, but especially being in the UK, it's a bit mental right now. The, the atmosphere is a bit crazy. It's a bit weird. You know, it's uncertain. It's more uncertain than it's been. We, we thought that we, we, we'd had some uncertainty when we was all locked down, locked up, mask wearing, couldn't touch nothing, frightened of anyone who sneezed. Come on, somebody. And now we're kind of through that. Now it doesn't matter if you've got COVID. You just turn up at church. You turn up at work. You breathe on people and you hug them anyway, right? But we thought that the uncertainty was, was you know, we were going to get through that and get back to normal. But how I many of you know that the world's still uncertain? It's getting even more uncertain. We don't know what's happening with gas prices, house prices. We don't know what's happening with mortgages. You know, someone even said uh, in a meme that I, I saw the other week, they said uh, there's only two more prime ministers till Christmas. It's uncertain. You've got lunatics, you know, uh, threatening nuclear war. You've, you know, you've got all sorts of stuff. West Ham missing penalties against Liverpool. Unbelievable. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes to his son in the faith 2,000 years ago. And he starts talking about the end days, the last days. And the last days began... Around about that time, we've been in the last days, we've been in the last times ever since. But the clock is still ticking, and it's ticking down, just as the clock does. If you have a look at the doomsday clock, which is a secular thing, a scientific secular thing, you can see that it's closer to midnight now than it's ever been. People are now worried about nuclear war. They're, 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 they're worried about different stuff. They're worried about world famines. They're worried about stuff more than they've ever been in history. Check that out. And yet... Still, as Christians, we, 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 we don't get it fully yet about what our responsibility is. But we live in a society, and Paul wrote to Timothy about things to be watchful for. Watch this. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. He says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Very difficult times. Amen. For people will love only themselves and their money. We could stop right there and just preach a message about that. People will love only themselves and their money. Amen. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. You've only got to go on TikTok to see that that type of thing is prevalent in today's society, all those things, right? Facebook now is for old people, I'm told. Instagram is for kind of, you know, millennials. And new generations are TikTok, and there's probably some other stuff. They're in the virtual reality now. They're getting into the, the virtual world. You know, everything's going to be virtual coming up soon, right, for younger people, which is, is good because I'm slim in virtual world. Amen. In that world, I'm slim. I've got my six-pack back. Hallelujah. How many of you, your avatar in the virtual world is going to be looking good? Who's going to have a fat avatar? Fat, old, anyone? No one, man. So people love all that stuff. And you can see that all these things are playing out right now. And we see them more than ever because of social media. Because you can see stuff. You can, you can see what people have just had for dinner. <laughs> right? People, they, they love showing you what they've just eaten. And I mean, you've seen those things and then just go and want to eat. It's, it's evil. 
to do that. They will be unloved. Oh, oh, watch this. Sorry. Missed a bit. They will consider nothing sacred. You know, that's where disunity comes from. When you hold nothing sacred. You know why? Someone once said that the biggest unifying factor in any society are the things that they hold sacred together. That's what holds people together in community, are the things that they hold sacred. When there's nothing sacred, everything becomes subjective. And when everything's subjective, you're in trouble. Because your subjectivity, when it meets someone else's subjectivity, there's going to be a clash. If there's no objectivity that governs everything and keeps it in, 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 in order... And when we lose sight of the sacred, when everything becomes important, when everyone's lifestyle choice is is important, nothing's important. If everything's important, nothing's important. If there's no objectivity, they will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. We see so much of that in today's society. They will slander others and have no self-control. We see that all the time. See it on social media all the time. People getting slandered. People's reputations being undermined. Mud being thrown at people. Just because they don't agree with someone else's position or situation. All of a sudden, you can't even have a position these days because you're, you're a Russian troll now. Oh, you must be a troll. You must be an internet troll. You, you know, you're this, you're that, you're the other thing. We see it. I'm painting a picture of the society that we live in, that you live in right now. We know it, but sometimes we don't want to face it. We don't want to look at it. But Paul spoke about it 2,000 years ago, and we see it coming into play more and more every day that we live. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, puffed up with pride, and watch this, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. This is heavy. This is what was written in a letter from Paul in prison to his son, Timothy, who was out you know, doing his best to, 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 to spread the good news of the gospel around. And he wrote this letter to him and said, listen, watch out for this stuff. This is beginning. You're going to start to see it happen more and more and more. And the society that we live in looks like this. But how many of you know the church is supposed to be God's lifeboat to rescue people from drowning in the midst of all that self-imposed, selfish comfort-ridden, subjective madness that people are in. You can get sucked into it, drawn into it, and left hanging, paddling water, treading water in life, not knowing which way to go until eventually you just grow so weary that you just drown and just get sucked into it. But the church is meant to be God's lifeboat that he sends out into the, 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 the sea of humanity to reach and rescue people so that they don't have to drown. 
That's what the church is for. These lifeboats come in different shapes and sizes. You have big mega lifeboats. You have smaller community lifeboats, like, like little fishing boats or great big boats. You have some boats that are like, you know, oligarchs, yachts. Come on now. You have other ones that are like little cobbled together little things with a sail. They come in all different shapes and sizes. And God has, he's, he's kind of set it up like that. I've, re- I've been reading the Bible for 27 years. I've never seen one one description of what a church, a perfect church, should look like. Whether it should have bells and, and a steeple or whether it should be a warehouse. Are you with me? There's different sizes to these things. Different shapes. And they're based upon the personality of the city that you're in, the, the community that you're in, and the people that come and call that community their home. but they're designed to work where other vessels don't. Lots of people have different clubs, they have different interests, they have different things that they go to, they have different things that they want to get into in community, and it's great. We love all of different things. My son plays football. You know, my daughter has her friendship group. My wife does her stuff. I I have hobbies. Eating. (laughs) That's not a hobby, is it? It's a necessity. Hallelujah. To look this good, you've got to eat this good. Hallelujah. Right, But we all have these things, and they're all great. But how many of you know, none of them operate in the way or can do the things that the church can do. You don't get spiritual transformation from going to a Zumba class. Hello? Unless there's someone in there preaching the gospel or on your headphones, instead of having, you know, some sort of rave music pumping out. <coughs> away. You might have someone speaking the word of God to you. Come on now. But are, are you with me? These lifeboats are important. They're, they're, they're designed to work where other vessels don't. But here's the thing. Lifeboats run on volunteers. They need a crew. They need people to man them. They need people to support them in what they're doing and what they're supposed to be doing. And that can look demanding and sometimes dangerous. I watched a, a program about lifeboat men. And they were like doing their jobs and all of a sudden they get a little page up. Boop, someone's in trouble out in the, the mad ocean. Now, I don't know about you. I love water. How I many of you love the sound of water? Across from my house, we have a little river. It's beautiful. Beyond an old stone wall, there's a little river. And sometimes in the summer, it just trickles. It's like... In the winter, when the rains are there, it's rushing. Like, and I love listening to it. But I'm scared to death of the ocean. Whenever I think of the ocean, and the depths, and the waves, and all the rest of it, it scares the life out of me. And you get ships that get in trouble in the storms of life, but these lifeboatmen go right out into the midst of the trouble. They're lunatics. They can be baking bread. They can be selling coffee. They can be a barista in their civilian life. But all of a sudden, they get a pager, and boom, they're putting on their waterproofs, and they're getting ready to jump into a boat with other people to go out into the midst of the storm to rescue people that have got in trouble in that same storm. That's heavy stuff. I mean, fair play to people like that. How many of you know that's what God expects of Christians? It's 
God's plan to use people to reach people and then to introduce them to Jesus and then to come together to live and learn about how to be who they were created to be. That's church. And when you've got people that are struggling in the sea of humanity, in the sea of society, and they're getting ready to drown and give up, you know, and, and, and there's nothing they can do about it, God gets his church together with his people to go into those places and reach those people and bring them together in a community in some a place that is sacred to do things that are sacred so that they can grow together and become everything they were created to become. That's what church is. You can't do that on your own. You can't do that necessarily virtually. Although we love people that watch us online. We have people from all over the world watching us online right now. In fact, in the chats, Facebook, YouTube, tell us where you're from. We've got people from everywhere. Blows me away. But imagine sending a virtual lifeboat. There you are on some tanker that's foundering under the waves. You're about to sink. You've got your life vest on. You're struggling, right? You're, 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 you know, you're thinking about what's going to happen when you die. You're going to be eaten by fishes or what? And you get on the, to the Coast Guard and the Coast Guard says, yes, we've got someone on the way. Turn on your phone. Open up your iPad. They're going to be with you in a minute. And on comes, <laughs> on comes leader lifeboat man. All right, dude, how you doing? That's the idea of church. And I, I, I don't want you to get me wrong, you know, we live in a virtual society and this church is hybrid. We have our online congregation, we have an in-person congregation. But the online congregation is not for people that just can't be bothered to turn up. It's for people that can't make it for whatever reason. And there's lots of different reasons that are valid. But if it's laziness, God's not into that. I'm sorry, God's not into that. Amen? So you have to, you have, to have a look at yourself, right? If you can't come, if there's a reason, fine. That's what it's there for. If it's just you can't be bothered because you'd rather stay in bed or stay in your pajamas and it's raining and you can't be bothered to get to God's church to celebrate God's resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then you need to have a little rethink. See, the idea of church is community, gathering in a sacred space to do sacred things, to bring unity together so that we can get trained up, filled up, prepared to go out there and to reach out to people that are drowning in the, in the sea of the world. That's the idea. And that's why church, in, church attendance and church engagement is so important. Because churches are spiritual lifeboats. And I've had this argument with many people that, that, you know, over this past couple of years have tried to reinvent church and make it more, you know, virtual. You don't have to come to church. And, and, and I heard this said, and it was, it was beautiful. And they said, listen, a lot of people have said they don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Right? I mean, if you've ever heard that. I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Okay, I'm married. I don't need to go home to be married. But if I don't, I'm in trouble. <laughs> My relationship's going to suffer. Come on, somebody. I'm going to kind of pull away from the, the stuff. Because relationships need attendance. They need engagement. 
And Christianity is the greatest relationship that anyone's ever going to have. It's a relationship with the creation, with the creator. The one that created everything wants to know us. It's like the most beautiful girl in the world, my wife, wanted to be married to me. It was a miracle. It was a miracle. And me receiving that miracle. Now all of a sudden, what? I go, well, I love her, but I don't want to necessarily be with her. That's how it is, man. You've got to look at it like that. And you've got, you've, got, you've got to get away from this mindset of saying that God's people do not need to be gathered together in sacred places, doing sacred things together. I'm going to use an analogy. I'm going to paint a picture with you. Is that all right? How many of you like pictures? You like stories? Amen. How many of you used to watch Jack and Ori when you was a kid? How many of you are too young to even know what that is? All right. Some of you are too young, you don't even know what the VeggieTales were. So this is an analogy to highlight a challenge that most churches are facing in our post-pandemic world. This is across the board. It's ain't just this church, it's not just Victory Outreach churches, this is every church, across the board. Bar the few outliers that, you know, have found the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and friends with leprechauns and, you know, angels worship in their church and, you know, deposit gold in the offering basket and all that stuff. Picture this. You're a sailor, right? You're part of an amazing crew. You've got a really good boat that gives you the opportunity to freely sail all over the world. Limitless, the opportunities and the possibilities that you have. But you came upon a storm that was so big that the skipper said to you, right, go back out of this storm. Go and find a safe haven somewhere and beach the ship while the storm rages. That's just a, a crazy storm, like one of them, you know, super, super hurricanes or something. No one needs to be out in a storm like that. Go and park up the boat, find safe harbor, get in there, get on the beach, take a breather, and wait. So you wait, you wait out this storm, but now it's calmer. Now the storm's gone. And the skipper sees an opportunity to get back doing what you're supposed to be doing because you're sailors. That's your purpose. You're a sailor. Turn around, look at someone, say, hello, sailor. <laughs> See, you're a sailor. That's what you're meant to be doing. You're meant to be sailing. But the problem is, the problem is, the beach is safe. And you don't have to take any risks on the beach, except dropping ice cream down yourself or getting sunburned. The sun's out. You figure you deserve to take care of yourself a little bit. So you're laying on a sunbed, watching the captain and the few others that are red-faced and sweating, trying to push the boat into the surf to get it back into the sea off the beach. I don't know if you've ever watched anyone trying to 
get a boat out of the, the beach through the surf and the crashing waves. It takes skill and it takes effort. It takes courage. And it takes people that are committed to doing it and, and, and getting into it and getting on it and lifting it where it needs to be lifted and driving it forward where it needs to be driven. And they're getting wet and they're getting through the surf, but they have to get through the surf. And there's a few people that are doing it and there you are laying on a sunbed watching them do it. The surf is strong, the force of it keeps trying to overturn the boat or at least keep it on the beach where it's ineffective and useless or not as effective as it could be. The skipper and his small band of helpers are doing their best and you might even be shouting words of encouragement to them. Go on, you can do it. Oh, well done. Oh, you, 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 uh, well done, well done. You, you, you ran and walked 100 kilometers for hope to raise money for World Mission, Jason. Well done, son. Oh, you're, you're a young boy and you were baking for hope because you found a skill and an enjoyment in baking and you wanted to put your skill into people's enjoyment so that they would sponsor you like George did so that other people in Dublin and in Wales and in different places can have an opportunity to hear the gospel. Well done, son. Or you, you managed to, to walk 100 kilometers on a metal leg like Vicky did. Or you skydive like Teresa. Well done. Pass me the suntan lotion. Waiter, another pina colada, please. Jason's there, all his feet all mangled, blistered up. Hobbling about like John Wayne just got off his horse. To break through the surf takes effort, skill, learning to read the sets of the waves, knowing where to put your weight so you don't get swamped or capsized. Some of you are thinking, what's that story got to do with the church and your Christian faith? Well, I think, and I'm not, I'm not alone in this. I think it points to a current reality that people are facing. Whether they know or understand it or not. There's a choice facing people right now in the church. Looking at the analogy, you've got, you've got, you've got a choice to make. You've got a question that needs to be asked. You need to be honest with yourself. Am I a sailor or a sunbather? Are you really being and doing what Jesus saved you to be and do? Or are you just about really looking after your own self? Making your own money. Building your own thing. Doing your own stuff. Letting other people take the heavy weight and the heavy lifting of going out and reaching out and pr propagating the gospel. Or you shout encouragement to them. From your sunbed. When you look at the Bible, the prophecies in the Bible are there to instruct, warn, and encourage us. And all Scripture is profitable, right? For instructing and training and, and rebuking, the Bible says. 
And Paul, when he was writing this letter to Timothy, was doing that. But these Bible prophecies are there to instruct us, to warn us, and encourage us. So that we can watch and pray and not be overcome by the snares of God's enemies. What's the biggest snare that the enemy can do to a lifeboat man? For him to ignore the pager. For him to not get on the boat. Don't strap on your waterproofs. Don't put your boots on. Don't jump in with your brothers and your sisters. Keep your boat on the beach. Have a good time. You deserve it. And listen, I'm not against us having a good time. There's time to be on the beach. There's time to take a breather. There's time to enjoy. There's a time for everything the Bible says. But when you read that in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there's a contrast. It's not there's a time for having a good time and that's it. There's a contrast. Where's the contrast in people's lives right now? In our scripture, the Apostle Paul predicts 19 specific moral traits that will be characteristic of people during the last days in the societies that we live in. At the end of the list, Paul cautions Timothy to avoid those things and those people. My question to you is, knowing the society that we live in, how, how, how comfortable are you living in it? In the form that it is. If you, if, you, if you proclaim that you are a Christian, that you follow Jesus Christ, that you love him, that you're his imager, how comfortable are you by hanging around with people that are effing and blinding and cursing, sleeping around with everyone, lying, stealing, cheating, Rubbing and stubbing and looting and shooting. Just got into reggae mode then. There's a song like that. Rubbing and stubbing and looting and shooting. How comfortable are you with that? How comfortable are you with the, the sunbathing set? How comfortable are you with all the naked flesh? How comfortable are you with the pina coladas and the getting drunk and falling over on the beach? How comfortable are you with that? Now it's okay. People say, well, Jesus used to fellowship with tax collectors and sinners. No. Jesus was a lifeboat man that was going to where tax collectors and sinners were. And the thing is this, check this out. Jesus didn't necessarily have to go in where they were, but Jesus wasn't following them to get involved with what they were doing. People were attracted to him because of the difference in his life, because of the joy and the peace and the power that was emanating from this man. Jesus wasn't going, oh, I'll get a pup of that. Oh, I'll get a drop of that. Oh, come here, love. Was he? Jesus was going in there and people were like, all of a sudden, people were like, I'm a sinful man, said Peter. Lord, what must I do to change things, said Zachariah, Zacchaeus. What about us? Paul causes, cautions Timothy, avoid those things and those people. Don't get involved in that stuff. How do you do that? 
not about just cutting off everyone and not being anyone and just being isolated because we've got to be around those people. But there's a difference between being in the world and being of the world. The simplest way of doing that is to get off the beach and get in the boat. Simplest way to avoid falling into those traps is get off the beach and get in the boat. We've been told by scripture what living like a sunbather looks like. And it's really not that different to living like an unbeliever. And some people have a veneer of Christianity, don't they? They call themselves a Christian, but they're actually not living like Christ. But that's got to shift, man. That's got to change. What's the point? I don't see the point. You know, when I got saved, I was living like a, 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 a wicked man. I've probably done all them 19 things and more. There's probably like 38 things that they could have written about me when I was out on the streets, when I was living there in the East End and in Spain and in Amsterdam and traveling around and doing mad things, allegedly doing heavy criminal stuff, allegedly. Definitely sticking needles in my arms and sticking coke up my nose and sticking pipes in my mouth and smoking weed and thinking that life was all about having fun and robbing and stabbing and looting and shooting, allegedly. When I got saved, I was so grateful, I was so shocked that God would choose me to bestow upon me another chance at life. I was blown away. I remember saying to my friend when he was telling me about Christ, I said, I said to him, I remember it. I said, God don't want people like me. I'm too bad to be saved. I broke the commandments. What does he want me for? I'm not good. I'm not good enough to be saved. He said to me this. He said, the physician does not go out to visit the well. The physician goes to visit the sick. He said, you're sick. And Jesus came to save you. You know, when I realized that and I received that and I repented of my own lifestyle and I turned to, fit, to focus on Jesus from focusing on death and hell and destruction and I turned in repentance because of the grace of God that enabled me to do it and I saw Jesus loving me, I was like, this is it. This is it for me. I am going to live for you, Jesus. Because when I prayed on that Wednesday night in July 1995 in that car park outside my friend's gym that God would save me, I remember saying, if you will forgive me like they've said you will, and you will break my heroin addiction, I will serve you forever. And he did. He did. And who am I then to say, you know what, I'm going to serve you, but not always. I'm going to serve you, but not with this. I'm going to serve you, but not when it gets difficult. I'm going to serve you and I'm going to follow you, except if other people around me are not doing it. I'm going to serve you and follow you when the sea is calm. I'm going to serve you as long as I've got a good sunbed. I'm going to serve you. Lord, put a towel. Don't let the Germans get it. <laughs> I've been on a few holidays where there's been people out there the night before putting towels on the sunbeds. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Not about living like the unbeliever, like living like you're irrelevant, living like you're invisible, living like you're the same. Is it? 
Am I being too hard with this message? I'm, listen, I'm convicted about this stuff. After the pandemic, there was a time, even in the pandemic, I was happy that we was locked down. First couple of months was lovely. It was like being on vacation. Sun was out, didn't have no problems, didn't have to worry about anything. I said to God, God, if the church is yours, it's going to survive. Nothing I can do about it. The pressure was off of paying the wages. The pressure was off of getting in enough money from generous people to be able to pay our staff's wages and pay the rent and the bills and keep the home going. The pressure was off. Everyone was locked down. I didn't have to answer the phone calls. It was lovely. Sun was out. I was out in the garden. How many of you remember that? After a while, it's like, is this it? Can't live like this. Don't want to live like that. It's boring. It's boring. Seems good in, in principle, doesn't it? Going on an extended holiday. I'm going I'm to go on an extended holiday for six months and do nothing. And then you're out there doing something. If you've turned your life towards God and Jesus is your saviour, you should have also turned from living like that. But here's the thing. Then people will say, okay, all right, Pastor Paul, you pastors all the same. You just want to get us working. You're like Pharaoh's overseer. You just want to get us doing stuff all the time. Don't you realize that I've got a job, nine to five job. I'll get home after traveling now because I've got to go back to work. I can't just do it from me living room on my bedroom anymore virtually because the bosses are wiser to that now and they want me to get back in the building. And I have to get back and uh, I have to get in and then my kids are there and I have to speak to my kids and my wife wants a bit of attention and then you want me to go to a prayer meeting. You're just like Pharaoh's overseer. You just want to work me to death. And I know people think like that. I'm even a pastor, and sometimes I'm like, no, let's not do it tonight, Vic. <laughs> right? But you've got to understand that this stuff about getting in the boat and getting back active and doing stuff, it's not about performance. God's not interested in your performance. He's interested in your position. You didn't perform your way into getting saved, did you? It wasn't like God looked down and went, oh, there's a good person. Let me save that one. Let me pluck that one up. And all the bad people, they can stay there in the dirt. No, you was messed up. You were a lying, thieving, cheating, adulterous, rubbing, stubbing, looting type of person. Come on, somebody. Anti-God, disobedient to your parents. And you're like, no, I wasn't. Have you ever been disobedient to your parents? Yeah, then you broke it all. You ever lied? Yeah, you're a liar. You ever looked at someone who's not your wife with lust? Adulterer. Ever taken something that wasn't yours? Thief. We're all messed up. But it was, God demonstrates his love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It ain't about performance, man. You're never ever going to perform your way into God's good books. But it is about position. It is about knowing your identity and being where it is that you should be. And if you're a sailor, you need to be on a boat, sailing the sea. 
And, but you've got to understand that you're not a sunbather. Otherwise, the beach is your home and the sunbed is your friend. The only person you're going to reach out to is the little waiter that maybe comes along. So back to our analogy. The beaches of life are okay as places to rest and replenish, to wait out the worst of the storm, but your purpose is bigger than a beach. The beach is a limitation. You're stuck there. That's it. The beach is an excuse. But you're a sailor. And there's work to do. There's new horizons to reach. There's people out there struggling in the sea. Your destiny is bigger than the beach. In the Bible, the sea stands for humanity in all its complicated fallenness. How many of you know humans are complicated? Right? I'm a man. Women are complicated. Another man said to me once, I don't understand my wife. I said, listen, she's a woman. Even women don't understand women. Sisters, give me, a, give me a witness. Amen. Men don't understand themselves. That's why God said it's not good for man to be alone. We think we're alpha males. And we're <laughs> 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 we ain't got a clue what's going on. When Jesus called his first disciples, he told them he'd make them fishers of men. Matthew 18, Matthew 4, 18 through 20, right? I'm going to make you fishers of men. You're fishers, you're doing your thing in the world, you're doing your own thing, but I'm going to I'm I'm get you help you to do my thing. And the thing is, you can fish from a beach. Sometimes we'll go down to Vicky's mum's. Vicky's mum lives on the south coast. South coast of England is beautiful. She lives near the beach. Sometimes we'll go out there, and you'll see a, a, a single man, right? Probably a married man, actually. Might not be single, he might, but he's on his own. Sometimes it might be to get away from being a married man. I don't know. And maybe he even uses the excuse, I'm going fishing, love. Want to come? Spend some time together? And she's like, no. So he's like, all right then. Then he goes to the beach, and there he is. And you see him with his rod. And he's flinging his rod with his bait out into the sea. And maybe you'll catch a fish. You can fish from the beach. Maybe you'll catch a fish. But fishermen don't fish from the beach, do they? Fishermen get in their ships and they go out and launch their nets on the sea. For that to work, stretching the analogy a little bit, to a fishing boat as well as a lifeboat, you catch your own stuff. You need all hands on deck. Now, when you start talking about this, people start thinking, well, I'm not an evangelist. No, well, someone has to cook. I'm not an evangelist. No, someone has to be down with the engines. Someone has to skip at a boat. Someone has to clean. You've got a few men that do the nets. You've got a few men that do this. You've got people that do this and people that do that. But you need all hands on deck. And what we can never, ever have, what we can never settle for, is everyone for themselves. Soon as that mentality and that culture gets into the church, all bets are off, it's done, park up the boat, it's all over, people are drowning, no one cares. 
unless they drown on their doorstep. And the thing is this, whether the church is a lifeboat or a fishing boat is definitely not a pleasure beach. Living without purpose and meaning or cause. How many of you know we all need a cause that's bigger than ourselves? Otherwise, what's life all about? If life is all about building up your bank account, building up your profile, building up your portfolio, building up your abs, building up your lips, building up your nails, building up your hair, building up your tan, building up yourself... If life's just about that, then one of the, if one of those things breaks or goes wrong, you're in trouble. If all you've ever wanted was to have a beach body, but then all of a sudden you get a thyroid problem, you start putting on weight and there's nothing you can do about it, or something else happens, come on somebody, or your nails break, or your hair gets brittle, or something goes on, or whatever happens, you're in trouble. It's all about you. You lose your job. You lose your house. You do this. You do that. God forbid. Then all of the things, moth and rust, are destroying those things because they're earthly. And if all you do is put all your eggs into the earthly basket of having a good time right now, then you're in trouble. Because someone's going to have better nails. Someone's lips are going to be plumper than yours. Come on, somebody. Someone's going to have a deeper tan, a more, you know, rugged profile. Because contentment is the enemy of, uh, comparison is the enemy of contentment. But when you've got a cause that takes you beyond yourself, when you've got a cause that is doing something for God's plan, God's will, in God's way, for other people, then all of a sudden, it doesn't really matter because you know that you're better than that. You know that there's something bigger than that. You know that you don't have to compare with Garth Long Torso over there or, 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 or Trish Plump Lips. There you are, not comparing yourself with anything except the person that you were when Jesus found you, when you was messed up and broken and lost and, 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 and completely bamboozled by life. And now all of a sudden, you're better than that. You've got more than that. There's more in life. There's horizons that you're going to reach out to. There's new, there's new things that you can go and, and reach towards. Living without purpose and meaning or a cause that's bigger than yourself is a waste of your potential. And it's a waste of the blood of Jesus. Sailors sail. Sailors sail. Are sailors scared of the sea? Good ones are. Of course they are. The sailors get discomforted, yes. Yes, they get wet. But they know that that's what they do. They know that when they're doing it, they're full of life. Sailors experience new things. They overcome the natural order of things. They even use the wind and the waves of life to get them where they need to go. Where does God want you to be? Where does he want you to be next? What does he want you to do? The wind is there to blow you. The waves are there to help you. Let's finish up with my definitions for all these analogies before you get all freaked out. The sea is the world system we live in. 
power goes to the small group of people that influence everything. And a lost and self-centered population of people follow wherever it is that they're shown to go because they're not looking further than their own comfort and safety. That's the sea. That's society. That's the world we live in. The boat is the church. I, I see it as a lifeboat. Sometimes it's a warship. Definitely not a cruise liner where you're just in a casino and sipping pina coladas, watching sunsets. Trying to rescue people from the sea of meaningless and the shipwrecks of their own dreams. The beach is a place of safety that becomes a place of compromise and eventually becomes a place of irrelevance if it grabs hold of your soul. The sunbathers are Christians who do nothing for Christ except take his name in vain and have decided that their will is more important than God's will. The sailors and some of the fishermen, we include them in this. They're Christians who understand that their life has real meaning and direction when they're following Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. These sailors come in all shapes and sizes. You look around here, we're all shapes. Most of you are in shape. Round is a shape. Hallelujah. Triangles are shapes. Hexagons are shapes. We, we come in all shapes and sizes. Amen. People come in all shapes, all shades. We play all types of roles. Every one of us is unique. Sometimes we're rough and ready. Peter was one of them. James, John, they were people like this. I'm one too, I'm a sailor. Sometimes sailors make mistakes. They know what it's like to live in the discomfort zone. They know what it's like to face storms and overcome and survive. But they also know they're part of a crew. They have a purpose in life which is to help as many people as they can. These sailors sing and play in worship teams. These sailors enable the lights and the sound and the screens to work. These sailors stand smiling at the doors and welcome people into a place of safety. Some of the best ones work with the small fish, the children in the kids' gang, who are the legacy holders of the future. Some can be found hauling in the nets out on the streets. Others even operate and steer the ship behind the scenes. Make sure there's oil in the tanks. Make sure there's fuel. Make sure there's food. Make sure the administration's being worked. All of them are part of God's solution to the problem of the broken society that we live in. The love these sailors show of God and others is the antidote to the fear and hopelessness that so many people are feeling right now in the, in the world that we live in. People are scared of what they're going to eat. People are scared of are they going to freeze? Are they going to go hungry? Can they run their car? Can they afford their mortgage? Politicians are not helping right now. Businesses are not helping right now. Jesus helps all the time. How many of you have ever been let down by God? Really and honestly, you've been let down by God. I'm not talking about you prayed for a parking space and an angel weren't standing there with his wings out, not letting anyone else in. I'm not talking about stupid prayers, you know what I mean? Wake up in the morning, God, make me thin, make me thin, make me thin. You look in the mirror and, no, you're still fat. 
I'm not talking about them prayers. How many of you know I've prayed them prayers? Hallelujah. Right? And then I have to slap myself. Stop praying in stupid prayers, man. But I'm talking about when there's been a need and God's protected you. There's been a need and God's provided for you. There's been a need and his peace has been there to, to, to pull you in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of chaos. There's been something. And if, listen to me, if you've prayed prayers and you've trusted God for real good things, real deep things that haven't happened yet, listen, it ain't the end yet. God's timing is not our timing. His ways are not our ways. God's good. Oh, if we was in an African church right now, But we're in a multicultural church. Hallelujah. See, see, all the white people are like, hmm. The Africans are like, hallelujah, amen. West Indians are like, yeah, man. Scottish people are So how do I become part of the crew? I know you're asking yourself that right now. There's something in your mind right now. You're like, how do I become part of this crew? I don't want to be a sunbather because it's irrelevant. There's only so much resting you can do. There's work to be done. I'm a sailor, really. I can't really justify just laying on the beach, calling out to all the other people anymore. Done that. How do I become part of the crew? Ask me how. It's not working. Ask me how. We need people to pray, first of all. You want to become part of the crew? Get involved in the prayer crew. Amen? Pray. Pray that God's presence is going to be real. Pray that God's provision is going to be real. Pray pray that people are going to get touched by God. Pray that his protection is going to be real. Pray, 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 pray. We need people to pray. We need people to work with our children. And not babysit them. Because I mean, you know, one day one of them is going to grow up to be me. One of, that, one of our kids is going to grow up to pastor his own church. One of our kids is going to grow up to be the businessman who, 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 who innovates something that's going to affect your life positively. One of them is going to grow up maybe to be married to your kid. And you want to make sure they've got the right Christian foundation in them right now. We need people to work with our children. That's a mission field. There's pastors in there. You know our kids' gang is, is the same, I give it the same importance as the pulpit. People are like, I want to I serve God, but I want to be on the pulpit. I want to be in the worship team. I want to be seen. I don't want to be in a kids' gang because it's tiring and there's kids there and no one sees me. Listen, we see it. We know it. We hear it. We applaud it. We pray about it. We need people for the kids. We need people with big smiles. We're going to welcome others coming into the lifeboat. Hi, how you doing? Welcome to Victory Outreach. It's good to see you. Come and take a seat. We need technical people that are going to get behind the scenes, that are going to help with the screens and the lights and the, the sound and all of that stuff. We need people that are on our social media. People that are building that thing. People that are thinking it through, that are problem solving. We need singers. We don't just sing in the shower. Come on now. 
but singers that don't just even sing up here on the platform, but singers that actually practice with the rest of the crew, that prepare properly, that are not out late at night on a Saturday night, getting down in a club till 4 a.m. and then rocking up on, 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 on stage on a Sunday morning thinking that the anointing is going to be with them. Just because they've got a good voice. God doesn't care about how good your voice is. He cares about how good your heart is. He cares about your motive. He cares about your position. God's surrounded by the best singers in the universe. You know what I mean? We need musicians. We need more musicians, man. We need more drummers. We need, we need people on the guitar, man. We need lead guitarists that are going to be on. People that can play the guitar with their teeth or their feet or something. We need keyboardists, more keyboardists, people that can play grand, grand sonatas. And, or even people that can just play the, not the tambourine, they're banned from this church. You know, early on, I got a, can I make a confession? Early on when we was first here, we was in a little gym and this woman brought a tambourine, man. And it's, a, it's like the kiss of death to any worship set. Because you've got people there on the worship trying to harmonize and do their thing. And you've got someone who's got no sense of timing. Banging this whole thing. And it happened for a couple of weeks. And then they made a schoolboy error. At the end of church, they left it behind. I don't know how it happened, but somehow a fist went right through that thing. We're looking for people to cook. We've got a whole cafe thing. We've got a whole hospitality thing that we want to build. We need people that can cook. Some of you can cook. I know some of you can cook. In fact, we're going to have a Victory Outreach Manchester bake-off and a Victory Outreach Manchester master chef. We're going to work out who's got the best jello fries. The Ghanaians are like, it's the Ghanaians, man, obviously. The Nigerians are like, ah! see, man. What about having jollof rice after church? What about having curry goat after church? Come on, somebody. What about having some Saturday soup on a Sunday? What about having fish and chips or a burger? For the white people. You can have some unseasoned chicken for some of us. We need people to clean. Some people love cleaning. It's their buzz. They see some dirty thing and they just need to clean it. They see something out of place, they've got to tidy it. Come and do that in the lifeboat for God. It's a, it's a ministry. There's an anointing. I haven't got that anointing. Some of you have. My wife's got kind of that anointing. Sometimes I, it's sunny and I'm like, me shadows hanging up in me wardrobe. She's tidied it away. Where's me shadow gone, Vic? Oh, I don't know. And then, husbands and wives, I have a chair in my bedroom. I'm enjoying this message today. I have a chair in my bedroom next to my bed. 
and that's where my clothes go for the next day. Can I get a witness from anyone? Some of you, you have a floor in your bedroom, and that's where your clothes go for the next day. But you don't need to put your hand up. And I'll go there to get my clothes in the morning, and they're gone. And I haven't put them away. The cleaning angel hasn't come down and put them away. Definitely my kids ain't put them away. And I put anything away. Vicky's put it away. Vic, where's me, where's me jeans? Don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You put them away. I haven't put them away. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where they're gone. Look for them. Come on, help me out. Help me out. Am I getting any witness in the house? Any married people? But we need people like that. We need people who open their homes for small groups. Right now, we need painters and decorators and carpenters and roofers and plumbers and electricians as we refresh and revitalize our building. We're on a mission right now to refresh and revitalize areas of our building. We need people that can do stuff. I was talking to some of the guys the other day. I said, what do you do? Can you paint and decorate? They went, yeah, put their hand up. Someone was painting. I can paint. Yeah, I can decorate. Yeah, I can roof. What do you do? I've never done nothing. I've never had a job. I was a thief. I said, you can get the materials then. <laughs> I was kidding. I was kidding. I was kidding. I was kidding. We need people to donate money on a regular basis for two reasons. First one, and most important, as an act of worship. That you're saying, God, this portion of my income, I am trusting you with it to show that I have faith in you that you're my provider. That's the first reason you give. The second reason is a practical reason. First one's a sacred spiritual reason. The second one's practical. Because that's how the world works. And God's people should be responsible for God's No, I wasn't, I wasn't asking for opinions here. Was like, <laughs> but thank you. Hallelujah. But it's right. God's people are responsible for God's church, God's building, God's lifeboat. We need people to do that. But I'll tell you this, I'm done. Worship team can come back. I, I, I really believe right now, with all my heart, that right now, in the, the world that we live in, right now, in the society that we're in, God is looking for sailors, not sunbathers. The day of sunbathing is done. Whatever grace there was for that is not going to be there. God's grace is for his people that step up in faith and follow him. The grace of God is going to enable us to get back on the boat, get back out in the sea, get back reaching out to people. He's going to show us where to launch our nets. He's going to give us the places that we need to get involved in. God wants you right now to know that your position is that of a sailor. He wants you to be one of those people that works with him and for him and for people that don't know him so that they can come to a place of security place of opportunity, a place of love, and a place of hope. God is calling you right now. He's calling you. 
He's calling you right now to get into the boat and make a positive difference with your life. Be a sailor, not a sunbather. And let's make this, the rest of this year and the next year that we come into, let's make it a voyage to remember. Father, in this place today, I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would be encouraging people right now that their identity is found in you and nowhere else. It's not in what they have. It's not in where they go. It's not in who is around them. It's in who you are to them. Lord, I pray that you would release people today from the curse of the sunbed so that they can step into the blessing of the boat. In Jesus' name. Would you stand to your feet? Just lift up your hands. We're just going to worship the Lord a little bit. And then I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to tell you before I do it so that you know and you can prepare yourself to do it or not do it. But we're going to worship the Lord. And I'm just going to ask for everyone who wants to, in this next season, be a sailor. Everyone who wants to be a sailor. To either come to the front, which is a good sign of, you know, not every church does altar calls, you know. Not every church does altar calls. In fact, I've been to some big mega, mega churches, right? Check this out. And I know that it's because of functionality and crowd control. But there's some churches, their seats come almost within spitting distance of the pulpit. They've got like 2,000 people, but there's no room for an altar call. But that's because of the way they're set up. But we have space. And sometimes when you come out of your place of comfort and you come to a place that's discomforting a little bit, that's a little bit weird, you don't know what's going to go on, but there's a response of faith that says, you know what, I'm just going to come and I'm going to join with the rest of the crew just once, just maybe once, and just stand with them and just say, I want to be a sailor. And it's not because of me, no one's taking pictures, no one's taking account. It's just because you're responding to the grace of God and the Spirit of God that is upon your life. And you're just, even if you come up and say, here I am, God, and then go back to your seat. Sometimes just that shift in your posture really does something. Really does something. Some people come from different denominational backgrounds. There's people come from a Catholic background. When was the last time the priest threw the host into your mouth while you were sitting there? Right? People come up to take mass, don't they? But now in the evangelical, Pentecostal kind of church, when you make an altar call, people still want to sit in their seat. Get out of your seat. Get in the boat. Get off the beach. Get out of the sunbed. Experience what it's like to be in the presence of the power of God. Even if it's just once. I tell you right now, there will be a breakthrough in your life that comes. Not because this place is any more holy or any more sacred than any, anywhere else. It's the, it's the, the position of your heart that, is the, that adds the sac sacredness to it. Are you with me? So we're going to worship the Lord. I invite every single person just to come up. Dip your toe in the water. Dip your toe in. Touch the boat. Say, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. I want to be a sailor. I want to be a sailor. I want my life to be out on the sea. I want to go on an adventure. I want to go on a voyage.
look around at all the other sailors. You're not alone. You're not on your own. There's other people that are on the boat. They're in the ship. We're doing it together. God is with us. Come on, lift up your hands. The anointing of God, the grace of God, the power of God, the presence of God is going to be yours. He wants you to know that if you step out, He's already there. If you step out, He's already anointed you for that. He's protecting you. He's providing you. Come on, bunch up. Get in. Get in. Come on, there's people behind that want to come in right now. There's people that want to get involved. Come on, join in. Step forward. Step out. And now lift up your hands and begin to worship Him. Come on, lift up your voice and begin to worship Him. He's going to touch you, speak to you. He might heal you. He might fill you. Lift your, lift your hands, lift your eyes. Sing out.
Some of you really wanting to know how to get get on board. I'm going to pray. 
and the Lord is going to anoint you if that's your heart and that's your motive. Spirit of God, this is what's going to happen. This is what always happens. He empowers his witnesses. Okay? The Spirit of God will come upon you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. And Jesus said that in the book of Acts. He already knew that there were in people's hearts, people were yearning and wanting him to get on board and do his will. That's the first step. It's always the first step is the response to the truth about Jesus. But then, but then he says, okay, you're going to need my power to do my will. You can't do it in your own strength. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And then he comes and he empowers you. He graces people to get saved. He graces people to be filled with His Spirit, to become His vessels. And there's some of you right now, you're like, I want to get off the beach. I've been on the beach for a while. I want to get off the beach, man. I want to get out of the beige existence I've been living in. And I want to get involved in doing what my life was destined to do by being who God wants me to be. And as soon as you start doing that, God says, yes. And He breathes on you sudden you start to see doors opening to do the things that you love that's the first stage and I believe that some of you God's going to open the doors for you to start doing the things you love some of you love to worship you're going to get involved in worship some of you love technical stuff you're going to do that some of you love you know practical stuff there's so much stuff that you can do practical hammers and nails and chisels and things built the ark and built the tabernacle and built the ark of the covenant Bezalel is mentioned in scripture there's all sorts of stuff right? God's going to open doors for you to start to get involved in doing the things that you love, that's, that's the first step some of you he's going to lift you up from beyond doing that and he's going to mature you to the next phase which is doing stuff, not just stuff you love but stuff that needs to be done that's a maturing stage when you're young and immature in the Lord, you ask, is it hard or easy? Do I love doing it or not? When you mature in the things of God, you stop asking, is it hard or easy? You start asking, is it right or wrong? Does this need to be done? You become a necessary leader. And God matures you into that and grows you into it. But let's, let's start where things are. And I'm going to surprise you with the first prayer I pray. It's for people to be healed from the trauma of the storm and from the trauma of being thrown about on the boat in the storm. Some people got church trauma. Some people got Christian trauma. Some people, they got storm trauma from going through mad things. If that's you right now, I pray the healing power of the living God to come upon your soul. That there would be a restoration of your soul, a healing of every wound, of every bruise, I pray that there will be a releasing of the love of God upon you, that you will be able to forgive those that need to be forgiven, and that you will be healed in areas that you need to be healed, in the name of Jesus. Whatever's happened over this last period, through COVID and beyond, that God would heal you, and He would restore you, and He would fill you, and He would plug the holes and plug the leaks and stitch you up and heal you in the name of Jesus. If that's you, say, I needed that, God. I need you to do that. Heal me. Heal me. I receive it. I receive it. 
Some people, you got trauma from being abused as a kid by a priest, or you got abused by a teacher that was a Christian, or whatever happened. People are people. All these things have happened. But right now, Lord, heal every single heart and mind and spirit in Jesus' name. Now, now I just pray that people that are saying, I want to get on board, how do I get on board? Holy Spirit, I pray that every heart that speaks, that has spoken that, every heart that is in that direction, that is directed towards the sea and not the beach, every heart that has been turning around and saying, I want to get out on the boat, I want to get out to sea, there's people I want to reach, there's things that need to be done. God, I want to serve you with my life. I want to invest the talents and the responsibilities that you've given me. I want to invest them. So when you return, you will have a reward for your sacrifice. Jesus, use my life for your honour and glory. Lord, for everyone that says that, Spirit of God, let the anointing of God, the Holy Spirit flow. Breathe in every life and every heart. Let the empowering Spirit of God breathe and blow and, and bring strength and grace. More grace, more grace, more power, more power. More anointing, oh God. Open those doors. Bring godly connections. on the rocks then you're a good sailor good sailors don't learn to sail in the bath they learn to sail in the world surrounded by madness 
help me to pray, would you, that we're going to have the favor of God for this new, new year. This new year, we're in it. Pray that God favors us. Pray that God favors us with an anointing that sees souls saved and transformed, that sees resource flow into us so that we can be more effective, that we get experts and, and, and people that are, are, are really good at what they do to come and resources so we can be more efficient. Pray that God is going to raise us up, that this next season of our lives we are going to have our minds blown with the goodness of God. Lord, show us your goodness. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do these things, oh God, for us. We've been through the shadow. We've been through the valley of the shadow of death now. Prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Anoint us with oil. May our cup overflow. Bless us indeed. Enlarge our territory. May your hand be with us and keep us from evil. Come on, pray that. Help me pray that. Help us pray that we're going to see our Redeemer once more. Help us pray that, God, you're going to be with us. You're going to be with us. You're going to be with us, oh God. Come on, worship Him, worship Him, worship Him.